Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast. Ah, welcome to the Living Free Show. Ah, this is 3CR Community Radio, 855 kilohertz on your AM dial. Uh, thanks to the Ruminations crew for another great show, highlighting issues around homelessness. Um, my name's Bill, and for the next hour, my guests will be sharing their journey of recovery from compulsive gambling. I'd like to welcome Viv and Todd to the 3CR studio this afternoon. Hi. 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 Um, as members of Gamblers Anonymous, they're going to share their experience of compulsive gambling and how Gamblers Anonymous helps. Um, so we usually sort of talk about, you know, what it was like as a kid growing up and um, how we got into the addiction. And um, and so I guess, Viv, do you want to talk about, you know, sort of your life when you realise, you know, what family life was like and when you realised that gambling was an attraction? Okay. Um, my gambling didn't start till later in my life. I um, grew up in a family where mum and dad would have a... Um, bit of a bet on the horses on Saturday afternoon but that's all it was and for mum it was an interest but it never got out of control and if she felt she was spending a bit too much money she'd just stop and she kept that interest up until she died at quite an old age Um, and that's what I thought my gambling was going to be like and I didn't gamble on anything for years and years and years and then um, I had a bit of a change, a trauma in my life when um, my marriage broke up unexpectedly um, and I was, so, you know, sole carer really for two children um, and I felt like there was all this responsibility thrust upon me and a few years after that I was out at dinner with mates and I went out afterwards to a venue and started gambling and I thought, oh, this is good, you know, this is a bit of a flutter a um, bit of icing on the cake after a lovely night out and that's when it started. And from there it grew and grew and grew until I became, you know, a complete gambling addict and it was completely uncontrolled and gambling became the most important thing in my life and it was horrific. Right. So how did the progression go? So how often were you going to a venue? Um, probably when I first started gambling, I was only going to a venue, really, it might have only been like once a month. Okay. And then it gradually increased from there. And it, um, it, it sort of had a, a pattern to it, even when it was really uncontrolled. Tuesday, for some reason, Tuesday nights was a really bad night. Um, I felt this urge to go gamble on a Tuesday night. And then, of course... Once it became more uncontrolled, whenever you know when I'm, when my pay came in, then that was a real you know signal to go and spend money because heavens knows this time your luck might be different. But of course, it never was. Never was no. So how are we kids at this time? How are we children? Um, well, they probably they were. My youngest one would have been under 10 at the yeah. time. You know, they're adults now. Yeah. So this is quite a while ago. Yeah. Um, so they were looking after themselves while you were gambling? Was that... I'm not... Yeah. Uh, well, the, the, the times went out, or went out during the week. Like often when I went on the weekend, they were with their, their father. Oh, okay. Um, yeah. 
But later on, you, you know, there were times when I left them at home on their own and now I shudder to think that I did that. And really awful things like I used to sneak out the back door and go up the side path because the front door made more noise and they might wake up. Right. You know, yeah. and heavens knows if something had happened at home, you know, there was no one there. Yeah, okay. Um, so did your work suffer because of your gambling? Well, Part of my illusion was, oh, no, 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 my work didn't suffer at all. I was still really good at my work and, you know, and I was really effective and really efficient. But, you know, looking back now, I mean, I was in a constant state of stress, you know, and so, you know, I was stressed about gambling and then I'd get to work and I'd be stressed about work and, you know, it was just this, you know, and, and of course I was living an illusion because... I had this illusion, well, I thought I had an illusion where I was coping really well. Yeah. And so that was that was a lot of pressure to keep up as well. You know, mm. this sort of, I'm, you know, I'm professional, I'm doing, you know, really well in my job, all of this. But there was the other side of me as well, which is all part of who I am. Yeah, yeah. A, a lot of people don't really appreciate the fact of how hard, how hard gamblers or addicts in general work to keep those two lives going. So is it very stressful? Oh, yes, it really is. And, and, and part of the stress is the fact that particularly once I really became addicted to gambling, how ashamed you feel of yourself. And even if I was, you know, working well and achieving things in my career, there was always that voice in my head saying, yeah, but, you know, if people really knew what you were like, mm. you know, no one, you know, and also within my job I felt like that as well. Right. Okay. Uh, Todd, um, so how did you get attracted to gambling? I had my first bet when I was nine years old. I went to the Greyhounds with my father and... I had a little bet on a race. I pestered him saying, I want to have a bet, I want to have a bet. So he let me have a bet. And I can remember everything about that experience from the conversation my dad had with the bookmaker, the name of the greyhound, the odds, and most importantly for my story that my first bet was a win and I was really euphoric. And then when I started working after finishing high school, I sustained a severe eye injury and as a result, I could only go out with my father to the races. I'm not really sure how that worked, but yeah. I wasn't allowed to do anything except go to the races. But, <laughs> but anyway, and as soon as as soon as I got there, I was transfixed by the whole atmosphere. I just felt really at home, and I just I, I, I just I was in my element, so to speak. So I did go to the races with my dad probably two or three times, and then once once I was able to go back to work, I found myself going into a TAB once or twice a week. And I was doing quite well in that I was mainly backing winners and I was able to have only a couple of bets and then walk away. And then I started to I started to lose more and um, as I lost more as I lost more money I as I lost more money I just found myself going back more and more and more. And then I started, I, as we say in GA, I crossed the invisible line into irresponsible, uncontrolled gambling. And I just started losing all the time. And then from there, my life went downhill in a, in a, in a major way. Yeah, okay. Um, so how did that affect your 
well-being in real terms, given that you were you know, losing a lot of money. So money obviously became a problem. <coughs> so how did you how did you get more money? What's the what's what are the options? Well, the way I'd get more money initially was I would borrow money from workmates or friends or family yep. members, and I continue to do that. And there's only so many times you can sort of come up with all these different reasons as to why you need more money. And then after I started to steal money as well. And the first time I stole money, I was really full of fear and adrenaline because I, I was just really afraid of sort of getting caught. And then the more I stole, the easier it was for me to justify what I was doing. And I, and I often had the thought that I wasn't actually stealing money. All I was doing was borrowing it borrowing because it, yeah. I was going to win money and put it back. Yeah. But uh, being a compulsive gambler, once I once I won, if I if I did win, I'd add a zero or two to my bets, and then if I lost, I'd take a zero zero or two off. Yeah. And uh, I, I've been into pawn shops many, many, many times, you know, selling all my items, all my guitars and CDs and anything that I could possibly get money from. You know, I took. I tried to get money for selling my suits at one stage, but uh, I couldn't find anybody to buy them. <laughs> right. Um, and so was what was your choice of, of um, type of gambling? Oh, predominantly the horses yep. and the gallops. Um, for some, some reason, I could never understand the form of the trots or the greyhounds. I don't Yeah. So anyway, it was mainly the... The horses, but I knew I, I always knew that I was desperate if I started to gamble on the greyhounds or the or the um, or the trots. But I've had a go at all forms of gambling and you know pokies. Um, I went to the old casino, not the new one. I haven't been there at all for any reason. Um, yep. Yeah, so any anything that you can gamble on, I've I've had a go at, except for the sports betting and everything on the internet now because I haven't gambled for over fifteen years. Right. Yep. Okay. Um... Okay, uh, so um, Viv, what what was what was the feeling at a pokey venue? What did it what did that make you feel like? Um, one of the things we talk about in GA is the dream world of gambling, and for me, particularly initially, the, the dream world was that somehow. I feel embarrassed saying this now, but somehow Pokies Venues was these glamorous places. And, you know, and so um, I would actually get changed to go to a Pokies venue, you know. Wow, yeah. Yeah, well, <laughs> you know, seriously. <laughs> and um, so I had this illusion that really it, it was just, it was fine, that it was okay. Um, and, you know, um, we, we talk about um, one of the things that comes up in GA is, you know, wanting to escape mature responsibility. And I can see now that part of my gambling addiction was wanting to escape that mature responsibility that was thrust upon me. Yeah. And because I'd grown up with this, I'd had, a, I'd had a good life and, you know, I was cared for, I was loved. And I felt like I was a lucky person. And I think that that was sort of ingrained in my subconscious that I was a lucky person. So, of course, I thought once I went, you know, to pokies venues, I'd continue to be this lucky person. Well, that dream world was completely (laughs) shattered, but it took a long time for that dream world to be shattered. Um, And, you know, I became 
a liar, a cheat, um, uh, and, you know, gambling just became the number one thing in my life ahead of people whom I loved and cared for and who loved and cared for me, and that's that's still a source of hurt to me, that, that that's what it did to me. Yeah. So was it a social thing for you? No. No. No, it was never. No, no, no. I didn't want. I, it was. It was a bit of a. It was a bit like a private sin, you know. I didn't want other okay. people to know about it. Um, I can remember one time running into somebody I knew at a venue, and I was aghast that that yeah. this that he'd seen me at a venue. Yeah. Um, so I didn't want. It wasn't a social thing. And I, I ironically laugh about the fact I can remember seeing this woman at a venue and I thought, oh, gee, she must have a bit of a problem. She's here so often. <laughs> well, how did I know that? You know, because I was there as often, if not more often than her. But it was that whole world of delusion that you were just, not only were you lying to other people, but you were lying to yourself as well. Yeah. So is there any camaraderie between gamblers at Pokies venues? Well, there might be, but there definitely wasn't with me. Like yeah. I would... You know, like um, I would have like a machine that was my favourite machine. So if I walked into a venue and someone was on that machine, I'd be sort of aghast that they were my machine. And, you know, just really illogical, crazy stuff. And I I suppose in a way, you know, I had I had a good social life. I had a, you know, I had people I could talk to, people I could relate to. It, it wasn't necessarily out of loneliness that I went gambling, it was initially because it was a, it was exciting. Mm. Okay. So what about you, Todd? Gambling, the, 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 I guess the desire, the, the trigger that got you gambling initially, what, what was that for you? Each time, I mean. Uh, well, I think initially I was trying to recreate that initial feeling that I got when I had my first bet, you know, the euphoria that was attached to it. And and I was able to recreate that feeling, but being being a compulsive gambler, I just had to keep gambling all the time. And so therefore I would, my faith all was all going into a, a jockey and a horse and having having a bet on every single race there's no way that i can win on every single race obviously no. so um i i it, it got to the point where i was using gam- gambling i was able to use gambling as a way to forget all the other issues in my life and it was closed it closed my eyes to reality but the i could never see reality for what it actually was in the fact that probably 95% of the issues I was having in my life was as a direct result of my gambling. Right, okay. Yeah, and when, when I was gambling, I'd never, not once, would I think about any other issues in my life. You know, I'd just be taken away to another place. Except on one occasion towards the end of my gambling, I actually did have a, a fleeting thought of reality in that, I was looking at the horses, the boards, and uh, looking at the horses' names and everything, and I just said to myself, "You know what? I can't walk out of here until all this money is gone." Yeah. And um, and that's that's what I did all the time. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Repeated pattern. Yeah. 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 Exactly. Yeah. So, what were your friends doing? Were your friends gambling as well, or were you unique? Oh, I gambled with my friends a little bit. They were. We used to play cards quite a lot. Uh, but as far as the the horses were concerned, concerned, I probably only went to the races with my friends 
on probably two or three occasions. And one of those occasions, I actually went with a friend of mine who was actually going out with my sister at the time. And I had a bet and and it, and it won. And then um, I had another bet and then she, she just, my sister asked me, she said, oh, how much money did you bet on that? And I just lied about the amount straight away, even though yeah. I didn't need to. Yeah. Um, because I had a lot of money on it. And and then anyway, uh, she was asking me from time to time how I was going, and I just I just lied about it all the time. Yeah. And then from that point on, I knew I didn't go with anybody to the races at all because I didn't want to be questioned at all. And as far as social social gathering or outlet is concerned, I could never. I hated it when people started talking to me at the races. You know, I just yeah. would <laughs> just wish them they would just shut up. Yeah. And but. I was willing to talk to people if I was winning. Right. right. But yeah. as no. soon as I was losing, and it was a completely different story. Yeah. But, and, you know, 90, 98% of the time I ended up losing. So I didn't want to talk to people most of the time. Yeah. 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 It's funny, you're looking at the gambling ads on TV. It seems like it's such a social <sighs> thing to do. When, but when you talk to gamblers, it's completely the opposite. It's just this, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Well, I, I, don't, I don't watch the gambling commercials. No. I, I flick the stations yeah. or turn it off. Uh, I just don't, I don't watch them because if gambling's portrayed in in front of my eyes in a positive way, I can start thinking about the times that I won, and I'll start thinking about horses' names, yeah. the odds, the amount I've won, even though it's over fifteen years ago. Yeah, I can still go back to that. Yeah, okay. This is a living free show on three CR Community Radio, uh, eight fifty five kilohertz on your AM dial, and three CR on digital radio. Um, here's an announcement we have. Um, uh, Melbourne Alcoholics Anonymous Steps Weekend is on again on, from Friday the 13th, which is tomorrow, to Sunday the 15th of April at the Banyol Theatre in Heidelberg, Melbourne. Tickets cost $30 and include lunch on Saturday and Sunday. Details are available online at stepsweekend.aaevents.org.au or you can call them on 03 uh, podcasts of our show are available on 3cr.org.au forward slash living free and also on iTunes. Uh, I checked up for our last 12 months, I think we've had 5,500 downloads of the show, which is pretty good. Mm. Um, other 3CR show podcasts are available on 3cr.org.au forward slash podcasts. If you have a question or comment about the show, then you can call the station on 9419 8377 or send us an email at 3crlivingfree at Um I'm talking to Viv and Todd about problem gambling and how Gamblers Anonymous has helped them with their recovery. Um, so, Viv, um, what's, what's it like when you can't get the money you need to keep the show on the road? Well, um, um, I, I wasn't, through no virtue of my own, I wasn't in a position where I could steal because I wasn't in a job where I had any access to money because I know that if I was in a job where I have had access to money, I would steal. Yep. Um, so what I did was I sponged on my family. I sponged on one friend in particular, and so I could go to a venue, I could get paid, and I had a responsible job where I got paid, you know, a a fair salary, and I would get paid on a Thursday, and then by Friday night that money could be gone. And I would 
go to either my sister in particular or my dear friend and I would or, – or my mum. My sister and my dear friend knew about my addiction but my mum didn't. Mum – um, must have thought that I had the most unreliable car, you know, <laughs> ever created. Because, but Mum was no fool. She knew she would have known that something was going on. But, you know, she was prepared to support me. But she made it quite clear that I needed, you know, I she I couldn't just keep on demanding money from her. And then my sister, um, you know, she was really my sister and my husband were really supportive and helpful. They wouldn't give me actual money, but they would pay bills for me. Okay, yeah. And my friend would do the same, but my friend, my dear friend, got to a stage where she turned around to me when I'd done yet again, you know, the sobbing phone call on the Saturday morning. She turned around and said, look, I don't think I can do this anymore, Viv, because I've become part of the problem but rather than the solution. And so, you know, I thought, thought what am I going to do now, you know? I mean, the horrible thing about it is when you got that money from people, you didn't even think about that they were doing anything for you. It just became, well, great. That means I can keep on gambling. It's another source. Yeah. Yes, yeah. exactly. It's another mm. source. And so um, my sister said to me, look, Viv, this is, this is just no good. You know, she appealed to me on the basis of, you know, you need, this isn't good for you. It isn't good for your, for your children. Um, you need to do something about it. Why don't you go to GA? And so that was when I started at GA. Um, do you want me to go on and explain? Yeah, yeah. Okay. So what had happened was that I'd been through, I knew that there was a problem with my gambling. Um, but basically what I wanted, my solution was that I wanted a way in which I could go gambling, but I can con- 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 could control my gambling, that I wouldn't have to give it up. I yep. didn't want to give it up. Yep. So I went through various means. I went through group therapy, you know, and they said that was fine, that you could just control your gambling. And that's not fine for somebody who's a compulsive gambler um, because the, you're compulsive because you can't control it. Yep. Um, and I went through hypnotherapy. I went through a psychologist. I went and got myself barred from various venues, except that, all that did was it made me either drive further to go to venues where I wasn't barred or I'd go to a venue where I was barred and I can remember distinctly now one of the people there coming up to me and saying, you can't be here, you're, you know, you're barred. And I turned around and looked at them and just went, oh, okay, and walked out. Mm-hmm. And I didn't feel shame. I didn't feel embarrassment. I feel embarrassed now, but I didn't yeah. at the time. My, my feelings were so anaesthetised and so... I went to GA the first time and I looked around and I thought, well, I probably had my arms folded at the time and I thought, well, this isn't for me, you know. Oh, and, you know, I'm not as bad as that person and I'm not as bad. You know, the complete antithesis of what GA is about because mm. there's no, there's nothing. We don't judge anyone in GA but, of course, you know, I was I, one of my characteristics was I was really good at judging people, yeah. and so, but I could go to GA for a while, and I wouldn't gamble while I was at GA, and then I didn't like that because basically, honestly, in my heart of hearts, I didn't want to give up gambling, and so. So, what was it that you didn't want to give up? 
What, there must have been I, something. I, yeah. I, it's just part of the compulsion. It's just mm. – it was just – because I hadn't really taken on GA, because I was just, you know, dabbling in it, I hadn't really taken on the idea that – you know, it's not just about stopping. It's also about looking at yourself and character change in yourself. Yeah. And all I wanted was a, a bit like a, a gambler. I just wanted the quick fix, you know. Yeah. Just, just, And also at that stage all I saw was it was a financial problem. I didn't have any other problems. Yeah. This yeah. was just a financial problem. Just yeah. fix the financial side yeah. and then I'll be right. Yeah. So, you know, I mean it wasn't going to lead anywhere until I started to take a – you know, a stronger look at myself, and and um, I'd been through. There was a really difficult time, and I'll probably get a bit upset talking about it. But my mum and my my sister both died um, within months of each other. My 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 daughter had had my older daughter had had a child, and she turned around to me and said, "Look, mum, you've got to do something about your gambling. It's just." I just don't know that I can be there for you anymore, Mum, because, you know, I've got my own life. I've got, you know, a partner. I've got this beautiful baby and, you know, and it was sort of like, it was sort of like, yeah, come on, you know, here are these two wonderful women you've lost in your life. You need to show that you can really do something about your life. And it was was then that I went back to GA. And a bit like Todd, when I took my last bet – at GA, I sort of thought, I'm not going to win. I know I'm not going to win and I'll just put it in and that'll be it, you know. Yeah. And thankfully, to this day, it has been it. Right. Okay. <laughs> Thank you. Um, Todd, yeah, talking about getting help from others. So I think you said your sister and your mother tried to help you. So what sort of help were they giving you? Oh, most of the time it was as money and... Other times it was somewhere to stay because I had nowhere to where to go because I would rarely pay rent wherever I was staying. I can remember on one occasion actually going to my mother's on Christmas Eve, having nowhere to go, and I said to her, "I need somewhere to stay for two weeks because I'm I need to I'm going to be moving in with a friend of mine." And then anyway, I rang another friend to see um, how they were and. During that conversation, I sort of said, oh, look, you know, I've just lied to my mum about moving into a place in two weeks' time. And little did I know that my sister was listening on the other oh. telephone. <laughs> so she she told my mother and my mother promptly kicked me out and uh, on Christmas Eve. So, And I ended up spending the night in a in a brotherhood bin, actually. So, And it's actually... I, I, I find this a little bit funny, well, pro- very funny at times, but uh, the next day on Christmas Day as I was coming out of the... The Brotherhood bin. There was a family that had driven right up to the Brotherhood bin, and and I was coming out, and I didn't want to be seen, and they didn't know what I was going to do. So now I can look at it as pretty funny, but at the time, at the time, I did, I wanted to shrivel down to the size of a, an amoeba, you know. Yeah. But that was basically the, the only help I ever wanted was somewhere to stay or, or some money. That was it, you know, yeah. because I just sort of, I. I always had that illusion that the money was going to, uh, you know, gambling was going to fix all my issues. I just needed that one big win. Yeah. So, yeah, that that was the help that I sort of would always need from somebody. Yep. So did that eventually run out? Yes. I, what I've come to understand is that everybody has a tolerance level to what they'll put up with. Some have higher tolerance levels than others. 
but being the person I was and being a compulsive gambler, I always exceeded everybody's tolerance levels. Um, every single person, like you know, I stole money from where I worked, from family, from friends, from a cricket club I was playing cricket at. Uh, it didn't matter where where I was. Uh, I was always looking at ways to, to to get more money because I didn't have any. Yeah, didn't have enough. Yeah. No, well, that's right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, so I guess were you also doing the same thing with friends? Yes, yeah. Yeah, 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 definitely. But it's exactly the same. And you know, there was one friend that I would sort of fall back on a lot, and uh, and I'd always, you know, I always it was a Sunday night. We used to watch a movie, and then I was sort of thinking to myself, when am I going to ask him if I can stay? You know, when am I going to ask him? And then I'd, I'd always, it, it was, I always think about Sunday nights now, and I always think back to that time and sort yeah. of think, you know, this time twenty years ago or whatever, I was thinking about how I was going to ask my friend yet again to, to ask if I could stay there. And he would always reluctantly say yes. But then, as I said, I, I exceeded his tolerance level, level and eventually yep. he said no as well. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Um, so going to Gamblers Anonymous then, so when was the first time you went? In May of 1988. Right. When I was so, 19. So how long have you been seriously gambling at that point? Oh, less than a year. Oh, okay. oh no, sorry, no, that wouldn't be would nine to probably about a year and a half. Sorry, okay. yeah, 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 yeah. Because yeah. I was seventeen when I started, and then I got to GA when I was nineteen. Yeah. Okay. So, what was Gamblers Anonymous like at that point for you? Well, I didn't want to be there, and I didn't felt like I belonged. Uh, I was sort of, in a way, for not forced, but I was, I was homeless, and a friend of mine's mother had been to Al-Anon and she knew I was in a had a problem with gambling and she basically just said to me if you go to GA you can stay and I just thought okay that's great yeah and so I did go to GA and uh and at the, as I said at the time I didn't feel like I belonged and and I listened to the differences rather than the similarities and there were some similarities there but there were also a lot of differences and uh, and so I just looked at those differences and and eventually I stopped going but uh, as as I continued to gamble more and more those differences that I heard in my first couple of meetings become ended up becoming similarities okay like for instance stealing at that point I hadn't stolen money yep. and uh, and then I started to steal quite often as much as I could yeah 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 I, I understand they've got a saying in AA when somebody says I haven't done that Everybody says yes. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. That's yeah. Right. you're, you're yeah, that's eligible right. too. Yeah, 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 yeah definitely. <laughs> yeah, definitely. So one uh, of the other things I think that I probably didn't bring up because I I think it made it sound, uh, you know, that there was just family and friends, but you know there was there were always credit cards. You know there yeah. would be, you know, mm. I would max out one credit card, then I'd apply for another, and then the moment I got another credit card. That was like there was no concept whatsoever that this was something that needed to be repaid and it was just, well, this is my money now and this is my money to gamble with. And, you know, there there was no difficulty in getting um, credit cards. It was really easy, you know. Paying them back was far more difficult and so whenever I got my pay... You know, the, you know, it was like this noose around your neck because every month there was so much to pay back on credit cards, um, and like my brain was so addled when I first went to 
um, GA that there's a question in GA that asks, did you ever borrow money to finance your gambling? And I can distinctly remember saying no, no. <laughs> because in my mind mentally, you hadn't borrowed it. Yep. I hadn't borrowed it <laughs> because there was no concept of really paying it back. Yep. It was just it was my money. Mm. Yeah. So what about you, Todd? Did you have credit card issues? Yes, I did initially, but uh, I, I, I went more the personal loan route and uh, my my mother <laughs> went went guarantor on one loan that I was meant to buy a car with and instead the next day I went to the track and lost lost it all. Wow. And uh, so, yeah, I, I wasn't able to get many credit cards, but it was more loans for me. But any way to gamble would, was was great. So, yeah, uh, yeah it really, it really I, I very quickly didn't pay back loans, so therefore I had a bad credit history pretty much straight okay. away. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. That, which prevented me getting more loans and more credit cards. But yeah. if, if I had that option or the availability for that, I would have pursued it for sure. Yeah. Yeah, it's a pretty sad thing, isn't it, when people keep on giving you credit when they know you have a problem. Yeah, yeah. and you see, the other thing is too, for me, um, you know, when I first started gambling, I was only gambling, you know, small amounts. But as the addiction grew, so the amounts of money, the, you know, like um, I would, you know, because I was chasing the win, and I mean, as I'd lost so much, yeah. the win had to be greater and greater. So you had to put more and more money in, mm. and so it just, you know, it just, you know, it just became just this horrible noose around your neck that was getting tighter and tighter. And like, there's part of GA that talks about being addicted to the suffering, and I think that's what happened to me. Mm. Towards the end, it was just, well, I'm I'm a worthless person. What's the point? Can't do anything about it. Just give in to it, you know. And there was mm. no enjoyment there. It wasn't no. wasn't like I was getting, you know, the, the initial buzz, the initial glamour that went years ago. You know, it was just awful. Yeah. Did you stop dressing up to go to the venues? I'm, I'm sure I did. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think I. Had, I don't think I had the money to have a dress up outfit. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty funny, isn't it? Uh, you're listening to the Living Free Program on 3CR on digital radio and live streaming on 3cr.org.au forward slash streaming. I'm talking with Viv and Todd about gambling and gambling addiction and Gamblers Anonymous. Um, so, Viv, we'll go back to you. Um, you mentioned earlier about trying to control your gambling. So... What does that mean when you're going to a venue? What, what's your, what, what are you thinking when you're thinking, oh, I'm going to try and control this? Oh, look, you know, I'm, I'm laughing because, you know, it's such, a, it's such an illusional thing to, th- to even think, you know. And um, so, okay, so some of the things I did was, you know, there would be I will only spend this amount of money, right? Terrific. Or I would go and I would put my card or cards in the glove box of the car and not take them in. Well, it's not very far to walk out of the venue to your glove box and get the card and take it back in. Um, And then I think I got to a stage where you weren't allowed to withdraw money from just the machines at the venue, so you had to go somewhere else, but that didn't worry me. I'd just get in the car and drive somewhere else. So, So there was, you know, this sort of facade of trying to control but 
but I I actually had no control whatsoever. You know, like somebody at, at one of our meetings said, you know, once they walked into a venue, the money became paper, and that's all it was. It was, you know, you'd see these amount, you know, like it what you. I would wouldn't even be conscious of how much I was losing until I actually left. Right, you know, okay. like the, yeah. I entered this whole world, of, this whole unreal world, right? And it wasn't a dream world; it was a nightmare world. But that's what happened. Okay, and so going to Gamblers Anonymous, then you initially didn't enjoy the. Oh no, no, no! Didn't no, enjoy no. the concept. No, I didn't at all, and um, so it took. It really took me until um, 2010 when I went back to Gamblers Anonymous again. I call myself a slow learner. Um, I went back to Gamblers Anonymous again and instead of looking around with my arms folded, looking at all the differences, I, I actually, I think the really important thing was that I started to listen because I think I'd been so focused on me and my issues and my world and poor me and all of that stuff, that I'd stopped listening to other people um, because you lose. I lost a lot of money. I lost a lot of self-respect, but I also lost empathy for others. And I think when I went back to GA and I started to listen to what other people were saying and I realised what a wealth of knowledge and honesty there was in the GA meetings and you know I listened to someone like Todd who had so much abstinence up and I think why is he coming to GA still you know what's you know and now I know why you know but yeah when I came back it was like it was like this door was opening for me that there was hope you know there was that that Mm. I wasn't I, I wasn't addicted to the suffering anymore. There was some hope. There was something positive I could do. And I think for me that's a really important part of GA that it's not it, – it is about that you have to stop gambling because it's an illness and you, you can't dabble with an illness. You've just got to stop it. But also it's also a positive thing that you're talking about or looking at bringing about character change in yourself. So it's not just a negative, got to stop this. But, no, there are things in, in you that, you know, you can work on, that you can change, that that you can develop and, and make your life and yourself a better person. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. It's 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 something outside of yourself. Yes. And it's yes. also an, an awakening that there there is hope, that, that yes. you're not a complete write-off. Yes. That yeah. things can improve. And, yeah, it's, that's really good. Um, so, Todd... Um, you got into GA, you said, I think it was 30 years ago. So you spent some time out of GA. So yeah. what what was the process of leaving and coming back? Uh, a lot of the time I was leaving because I was getting sick and tired of going in all the time and having busted and having to get up. And Well, I wasn't forced to get up. But yeah. I chose to get up when yeah. it was my turn, but having to get up and say, I've busted again. And uh, so that eventually I stopped going. And then I would come back because my life was even more unmanageable than what it used to be the previous time when I did come back to GA. Yeah. And I'd, I'd leave and then I'd always come back because I, I suppose when I look at it now, there was some glimmer of hope 
in my brain that GA could work yeah. because uh, everything I've been through now, there are still a couple of experiences that I haven't really had. I mean, I've been put in a lockup for a week, but I haven't been in jail as such. Yeah. Um, but that's a yet. You know, yeah. I'm eligible too, definitely. Yeah. And um, yeah, so I I really have to. Um, I really had to come back as a supplicant, which is a word I'd never heard of before until I read the jail literature, mm. and it means to humbly ask for help. And I came back, and and I knew that whatever I thought I knew about stopping gambling was completely incorrect, except for one thought, and that was that GA could work for me. And so I I went to about fourteen or fifteen meetings a week for the first six months. Um, it was a lot easier to do then than now because at the back in back. Then we had an office in South Melbourne okay. at Father Bob's Church in yeah. Donker Street, Montague Street. And uh, there was probably about seven meetings over a weekend that you could do, knock off. So, um, yeah, so I went to a lot of meetings and I, I finally came back sort of thinking, well, uh, whatever, whatever advice I was given, I needed to follow uh, because I'd got a lot of advice previously and just would be thinking in my head, mm. what do you know, how do you know what I'm going through, etc. So, you know, I was able to come back and, and finally realise that, that I needed to have my ears open and be really open-minded and try and practice honesty. So that's what sort of brought me back is that just that, that, that glimmer of hope. Yeah. So what's it like now to be without the compulsion Oh, it's fantastic! You know, I, I, I'm I'm able to have choices today. I'm able to have serenity in my life. Not all the time, because uh, life throws you curveballs from time to time. So, yeah. <laughs> life is never perfect, and uh, sometimes I'll make mis- make bad decisions. So, but but I'm, I, I can't thank GA enough for. for for what it's done for me, um, it's it's allowed me to stop gambling to start off with, which I thought was completely impossible for a long time, and it's helped me regain f- uh, friendships that I thought were lost forever, relationships with family members that I thought was lost forever. Um, the cr- cricket club I mentioned a little bit earlier, you know, I, I thought I would never go back and play there, and I did, and not one person ever mentioned about what I did previously. A yeah. few people were asking how I was going and how yeah. GA was, but yeah. not one person mentioned it at all, and I thought they would. Uh, so it's just given me so many choices in life and to be able to live life in the moment. You know, uh, being being a compulsive gambler, I had a big capacity to be living in the, the future or the present. Uh, sorry, the future or the past. And... Uh, there were probably three words that I used a lot whenever I was talking, and that was shoulda, coulda, or woulda. Yeah. And uh, I try not to use those those terms now. In, instead, I try and say, well, this is what I am doing right now. Yeah. Hmm. Okay. Um, so what about employment then? How did that go? Did you Were you able to go back to employers or get employed and acknowledge your theft? Well, yes, yeah, that that did actually happen for me. I stole money from some from a company I was working for. It was only a very small company back in mid nineties, and uh, about a year after my last bet, so in about two thousand and four, I contacted my old employer and 
we got talking and then he offered me a little bit of uh, temporary work just working in the warehouse and then after a couple of months he offered me a job as a sales representative and I worked there for nine and a half years and the longest job I'd held previously whilst I was gambling was probably 12 months, 14 months, something yeah. like that. So that right. was a big milestone, nine and a half years is a yeah. long time. Yeah. And he he was he put his uh, faith and his trust back into me and I had the keys to the place so I could have gone back and done exactly what I had before. But he saw a change in me and, you know, I had a real desire to live a better way of life and also but to try and live in a life of honesty because not only was I a compulsive gambler, I was a compulsive liar as well. And there are occasions I may still have problems with honesty at times as well. Yeah. And, you know, I used to sort of think sometimes, oh, you know, I have to lie. And Well, really there is... I don't have to lie in any situation. I choose to lie, yeah. you know. But the difference now is that when I choose to lie, I've got that thought in my head saying, well, what you're about to say or what you just did say actually isn't correct. Yeah. So then I've got the opportunity to either rectify that or or not. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, so I guess the same thing for you, um, Viv, about family and relationships. So what's your relationship now with your daughters? Um. I don't know which adjective to use to describe how positive it is. Like, um, one of my the daughter, my elder daughter, who lives down in the country, is with her husband, and I've got two grandchildren. Oh, she's got two children, um, and they're staying down with me at the moment. And you know, we have a wonderful time together. And then my other daughter and her husband just had a. They've got a. A baby who's fifteen months old now, and you know, I, we just feel so blessed that there is such closeness and love and support for one another. And um, I just feel—I don't use the word lucky because it has other connotations, but I do yeah. feel really fortunate that I have, you know, um, that my kids, that my girls are just—they're—they're they're wonderful people. They're wonderful adults. I'm so proud of them, but they've also been terrific with me. Um, when I told my daughter that, you know, one of the things we talk about in GA is needing to bring about char- um, character changes themselves, and she knew everything I'd been through and she was such a support to me. And when I told her that, she turned around and said to me, but you're not going to change too much, are you, Mum? And I thought, well, boy... You know that's a real credit to you that you that you've got that openness and love and I have that love in my life. I I I have learned from Todd about honesty because I think I I got to a stage where I'd lied so often I didn't even know what honesty was and you know and for me now it I'm very conscious if I'm not telling the truth and. <laughs> just a minor thing like Todd messaged me and said oh you know Carlton are playing on the Thursday night against Richmond in the opening game you know will we come around will we watch it together and I'm in this dilemma I'm thinking I can't watch it with Todd I just can't watch the, I can't watch the first game of the season with not with anyone it's not, yeah. nothing to do with Todd and I thought well how am I going to tell him and I thought I'll just tell him the truth that'd yeah. be easy and, yeah. and Todd went oh really you know <laughs> did it matter that much to you <laughs> But what, what I've got now, as Todd was saying, and, you know, I've got choice in my life um, and I've got joy in my life and I've also got the ability to be there for other people. 
and I don't mean that in a holier-than-thou sort of way, I think when you've been through what, what what I've been through as a gambling addict, then you're very loath to, to be judgmental about anybody because you know how how your life can change so quickly and also that it doesn't mean that you're a bad person. It just yeah. means you've got a compulsion, yeah. that you've got an illness and that's what that's what GA offers. GA offers hope and it offers hope. You know, we often question how why does it work? Why does it work? But it's that idea of fellowship. It's that idea of supporting one another that, you know, like, I mean, my brother-in-law has said, to me, well, why are you still going to the meetings? You don't gamble anymore. And that's that lack of understanding about what addiction is, that it's not just something that goes away. You mightn't be gambling anymore, but you'll always be a compulsive gambler. Yes, yeah, (laughs) that's right. Um, So, Todd, what's it like now living in the present, so not worrying about the past or the future? Well, it's it's great to be able to live in the present. Uh, when when I was living in the past or the future, back when I was gambling, you know, I was either running away from some, something or, or running to something, and and I, I always had ulterior motives when I was um, trying to get get to people and and try and spend time with them. So, but living in the present, um, it's you know, like. I have two dogs. I don't have any kids, but I've got two dogs, and uh, I walk them every day. And sometimes, you know, I just walk along and I just think, isn't it lovely that I'm just here with my two dogs walking around a really nice park, and I don't have to think about when I'm going to, when the next race is going to happen, um, how am I going to get the money to bet on that race, or the fact that I've, I've deceived my mum again or my friends again or my boss again or whoever it is and and just to be able to really live the way that I want it's 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 fantastic I I I can't you know I I just can't thank GA enough for allowing for bringing me into the present Mm. it's yeah it's it's called a present for a reason yeah okay thanks Righto. Um, if anybody's interested in contacting Gamblers Anonymous, if you'd like to find out more, um, you can contact them on 03 9696 or go online at au. Uh, that's about all we've got time for today. I'd like to thank Viv and Todd for coming in today and sharing their Gamblers Anonymous recovery experience with us. Thank you. Thanks, Bill. Thank you, Bill. Um, I hope you'll be able to join us again next week when we'll be talking about recovery from compulsive drinking and we'll be joined by a couple of members of Alcoholics Anonymous. Stay tuned now for Black Noise Radio, hosted by Kerry Lee and featuring black news and views, current affairs, music, sport, culture and the arts, all from an Aboriginal woman's perspective. Thanks for listening to Living Free Program today. (laughs) 